data ops is really a uh, not only a set of software, but also a set of uh, business processes and a collection of expertise that enables organizations and empowers chief data officers to deliver more analytic and operational velocity using data across their entire business. Welcome to Data Masters. I'm Anthony Dayton, Chief Product Officer at Tamer. Today I'm joined by Andy Palmer. Andy is a serial entrepreneur. He's helped found or fund more than 50 companies, including Vertica, a pioneer in database management. He's currently serving as CEO of Tamer, a data mastering platform that uses machine learning to do the heavy lifting around consolidating, cleansing, and categorizing data. Andy's approach to data mastering involves the concept of data ops, a concept that's emerged in recent years and shares traits with DevOps. We're going to talk about data ops and why it was developed, what its connection is to DevOps, and how data ops benefits organization. Andy, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to Data Masters. Thanks, Anthony. Great to be here. So Andy, maybe we could start with you sharing a bit about your uh, professional experience and the connection to data and how organizations make value out of data. Yeah, I started working in uh, AI back in the 1980s. And as um, my uh, 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 good friend Marvin Minsky used to say, um, there are these two things that really matter uh, in AI systems. One is, uh, uh, having enough great data to make an algorithm useful. And the other one is the human and the machine kind of working closely together. And so for me, data has always been sort of front and center in all the systems that I've built. And the separation between data and software, I think, is kind of an artificial separation. And uh, as we all experience on the modern web every single day, um, the software that makes up the modern World Wide Web would be, uh, you know, mostly meaningless without the data that's sort of intricately woven into all the applications that we use as consumers on the modern internet. So data is part of the lifeblood, part of the fuel uh, that serves the modern consumer internet. And increasingly large companies are starting to realize that uh, data is the, the fuel for the next uh, few decades, that uh, it's a precious strategic asset that it, for the most part has been underappreciated and undermanaged. You've often talked about this idea of being both uh, the CEO of a company that's building uh, data ops software, but also you've been a customer of this software uh, in, in your professional experience. You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, when I, you know, I was the chief information officer at a biotech startup called Infinity Pharmaceuticals and then went on to run data and software engineering over at Novartis' research group. And uh, in both of those experiences, uh, working in uh, modern uh, biopharm biopharmaceutical drug development and, and discovery, um, it was clear to me that data was the core strategic asset that was driving the uh, ability of those organizations uh, to discover new drugs that made a difference in the lives of patients. And managing that data strategically became an imperative, both at Infinity and at Novartis. And uh, Voss, who's the, the CEO of Novartis now, talks about this on a regular basis, that uh, data and analytics is a kind of a core capability of the next-gen modern enterprise, not only in biopharmaceuticals, but, but really, you know, across the board for 
all industries across the global 2000. So would it be fair to say, and I think this is a theme that's come up in the Data Masters podcast, would it be fair to say that in a way, every business is a data business? Like there is no, there's no longer, a so, you know, solely building your competitive advantage on, you know, your manufacturing facilities or on your uh, scientific accomplishments or on some uh, piece of uh, infrastructure that you have. Uh, that at its core, uh, every data, every business needs to build a data uh, capability. Yeah, and you know, I don't think this is, you know, the uh, any different than the industrial revolution where. Um, back then, every business had to integrate uh, power and energy into, you know, the fabric of who they were as a, as a, as a company. Um, we're at the same sort of a transition now where every business across the planet, many uh, are integrating data as, as a part of their core business. Many of them put it in context of their digital transformation, quote unquote. Um, but oftentimes, those digital transformations really do start with the management of their data as a core strategic asset and a primary driver with how they're uh, uh, going to serve their customers, whether those are B2B or B2C customers, uh, over the coming decades. That those digital experiences are all based on that company's ability uh, to manage data as a strategic asset and apply it every single day in how they operate, as well as the strategic decisions that they make. Got it. So like really thinking about data as a, a core asset. So you have your buildings and your uh, goodwill and your ad brand and your customer relationships and your data. And then yeah. uh, building from that, if we think about data as a core asset, you know, we've organizations have invested a lot of thought in how they manage their people, how they manage their physical assets, et cetera. And, uh, you know, they haven't invested as much energy in thinking about how to manage these data assets. And that's where you've come up with this concept of data ops. Uh, and maybe you could share a little bit about just the concept of data ops uh, at a high level, and then we can drill into a bit of detail. You bet. And this is no different than, you know, uh, you know the last 30 years where large companies had to figure out how they were going to integrate software into the core of what they, they do uh, and the evolution of their IT organizations and the emergence of the chief information officer as a, as a key executive role. Uh, now we're kind of going to the next level and the emergence of the chief data officer uh, is a reflection of this importance of uh, data as a strategic asset in the company. And data ops is really a, uh, a not only a set of software, but also a set of uh, business processes and a collection of expertise that enables organizations and empowers chief data officers to deliver more analytic and operational velocity using data across their entire business. And uh, the reference in data ops is very specifically to DevOps. So DevOps evolved in the software industry over the last 20 plus years um, as a primary method for the big internet companies to increase feature velocity so that they could compete on the open internet, consumer internet. Um, data ops um, is really doing a very similar thing for the large enterprise, but the goal is to increase this operational and analytic velocity and decision-making velocity uh, for large enterprise. And it really all does start with managing data as a strategic asset and building out the data pipelines required in order to serve that data to many different consumers inside of a large co uh, company with tremendous uh, confidence that the quality and the veracity of that data is very, very high. 
and reflects who their customers are, what their customers buy from them every day, who their suppliers are, what they buy from their suppliers, who their employees are, and what their employees are working on. Some of these very basic questions are almost unanswerable in many modern enterprises because of the complexity of their organizational structures and the idiosyncrasy of all the systems that we've automated over the last uh, 20 or 30 years. And so a huge part of data ops is bringing all that data together, aligning it using machine-driven, human-guided approaches so that you can answer some of these very simple, basic questions that serve as the foundation for much more complex analytics downstream. Uh, as businesses get more and more data-driven. So I think it's very interesting, this connection between sort of feature velocity and how you compete at sort of internet speed as a core driver for the introduction of DevOps and really tightening that loop between what you deploy uh, to, to your production systems and what you develop from a software perspective and create that same idea and concept in the connection between your data and then how that data is actually consumed through the analytical or operational outcomes that you're hoping to achieve. Is that a fair articulation of that connection? Yeah, very well said. And, you know, this idea that your data, just like your software with DevOps, is continuously built, tested, and released, um, you know, that it's not a static thing, right? People used to think of software as like a product, a static product. It's really not like that. Um, software is ideally implemented and delivered as a service. And DevOps was kind of all about that. Um, same thing with data and data ops, that the best way to think about uh, data as a strategic asset to view it as a continuously changing thing. It's constantly, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, prone to, to entropy. Um, it's constantly prone to degrade. My, my partner, Mike Stonebreaker, likes to use the term database decay. Um, and so the infrastructure that you put in place has to sort of recognize the, uh, the physics of data and the realities that it does decay over time. You have to constantly be working to shape the data into the best form you can possibly deliver for end users. And um, the quality of that data really is what determines the, the quality of uh, the decisions that a lot of people are making on the front lines of your business every day. So uh, I think those, those are some important connections between uh, this idea of DevOps and data ops. Uh, there's also an important organizational impact. When we think about uh, DevOps from a, a software engineering perspective, we also think about the agile development methodology, really thinking about uh, using feedback in a very tight loop between you know, what feedback you get from customers, what features you're delivering, and how you guide and shift your uh, development processes. Is there a similar sort of linkage or analogy between this uh, DevOps and Agile and data ops and, and, and Agile? Absolutely. And, you know, modern, modern data ops, uh, you know, what you really need is a closed loop system where you're collecting feedback directly from the consumers of data on a regular basis about what's good and what's bad, um, what's good and what's not. Uh, we have a component of our system at Tamer called Data Steward, um, which provides the function uh, that lets you aggregate that feedback. I like to call it JIRA for data. Um, and But in many organizations, this function doesn't exist. There's no place for people to go to say that this data is good or bad. 
And um, it's very much very similar to the feedback function that people are used to using in uh, modern mobile apps, where if they don't like something, they have a way to review and register and, and provide input as to what's, what's wrong and what's not working. Um, we need the same function inside the enterprise for data, where you have this, this, this bi-directional flow of feedback that's constantly coming in from users that helps guide and shape the data as it's being systematically prepared for, for consumers so that it improves over time. Uh, again, I'm an old AI guy, and so it's an active learning system um, at, at its best, where you automate a tremendous amount of that uh, uh, feedback and, and the implementation of that feedback into changes with how the data is prepared for people over time. But it, it's hard to do. And like, like you said, it's an organizational challenge. A lot of modern uh, companies just uh, you know, are not set up organizationally to do this. But this is how we spend a lot of our time at Tamer is partnering with the biggest companies in the world to help them manage their data as a strategic asset and implement these you know, bi-directional flows of, of, of feedback throughout their organization. So let's pull on that thread for a second. Uh, in the uh, non, you know, in the regular economy, we talk about the the digital native organization built from the ground up, a modern organization. Um, in as we think about data ops, uh, you know, is this something that's only relevant for you know startups that are just starting out and they can build a from scratch data infrastructure and be a data-driven organization or is this relevant even for large enterprises and how do we think about that distinction yeah i think it's you know it's, it's even more relevant for large enterprises and uh because oftentimes they have more valuable data uh than anyone else um the average startup you know, is just getting off the ground and probably hasn't had the time to build up some core asset of data. It's one of the, the big ironies of data ops is many of these large companies are sitting on treasure troves of unbelievable data, but it's not being managed or prosecuted very proactively. And one of the human behaviors that, that we struggle with a lot when we're working with our customers are these sort of core behaviors around data hoarding where the people that own the data or run the databases are sort of got their arms around the data and they view it as a, a method to uh, promote their own careers or, or they're just worried that people are going to get a look under the covers and not think the data is clean enough. And, and so, um, you know, on the modern internet, data kind of wants to be free and sooner or later it almost always is. Um, and so inside the enterprise, a lot of these behaviors around drawing boundaries around data that it was really resulted in what a lot of people today call data silos um, is really uh, limited the amount of opportunity that large enterprises have had to prosecute their data as a strategic asset. Yeah, I, I love this idea that the silos of data coming out of an organization reflect the organizational silos, this kind of data hoarding. So like, I can keep my data private to me. Um, there's a principle in software engineering uh, called Conway's Law that says that the structure of the software reflects the organization that built it. Uh, and I wonder if we see actually a similar point here, which is that by breaking down these silos, uh, by providing a mechanism for breaking down these silos, we're also, in a sense, lubricating the organization, bringing, uh, allowing the organization to operate more efficiently. I think that's dead on. And I think we should coin the term right now, Dayton look, Dayton's Law. That's, uh, yeah, that's very fair. I'll, I'll take it. So beyond just making the organization work more eff effectively and efficiently, from your perspective, uh, as we help organizations build a data ops culture, 
What are some of the other benefits that organizations could expect to accrue with that investment? Well, you know, there are these core things that, um, you know, if you have really good, clean data, there's core behaviors that start to change inside of an enterprise. Um, We have a lot of customers where when we first started working with them, they uh, had misconceptions about how big or small their customer base was, what the distribution of customers looked like in terms of their size, some of them really massively out of sync with reality. And so when you become data-driven as an organization, uh, you, you seek uh, to understand uh, you know, the, the truth and you seek to understand the you know, sort of validated view of the truth. Um, and we, we see those kinds of companies getting better and better in terms of their strategic decision-making, that it's almost like many of the functions that large companies have outsourced to the uh, consulting firms like McKinsey or Bain or BCG for years are all of a sudden now, if they get their, their sort of data feet underneath them and they have some new next-gen analytic capability, they're like, well, why can't we you know, sort of own and drive a lot of those things that we used to rely on Bain and BCG and McKinsey to do? And, and I think it's a very healthy thing for these big companies um, because it sort of gives them ownership and control of the data itself and how the decisions are made and sort of minimizes the amount of, uh, uh, you know, frivolous consulting expenses that they have to uh, that they have to pay. But more importantly, probably empowers the people running those businesses to control their own destiny a lot more and uh, uh, to not spend a lot of time with outsiders who are recently minted liberal arts grads to try and uh, tell them how to run their business um, just because they can't get their hands on the data. No, I think that's a really interesting uh, idea. So I think um, we might think that the connection for data ops is really about, you know, adding uh, more revenue streams and, you know, decreasing costs for mastering data and those sorts of things. But your point is, no, there's a direct connection between data ops and corporate strategy. That if you could actually create a data ops culture in your organization, in a way what you're creating is a responsive organization, one that can sense and understand signal from the from the market, from your customers, from your suppliers, from the, you know, from all of that inbound data, and then react and respond appropriately. So you're actually creating strategic leverage in the business. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, big time. And you know, oftentimes our customers get uh, a little frustrated or confused because Oftentimes, the way you have the way you implement your first data ops projects and uh, is in context of either something that's going to save you money, uh, oftentimes by doing spend optimization, uh, help you grow faster by doing cross selling or upselling, or reduce risk in your business. Oftentimes, you know, doing compliance projects, um, and so your first projects may be. Uh, you know, one something focused on one of those three things. But if you do these kinds of projects over and over and over again, uh, eventually you achieve this this state that uh, your entire organization is much more data aware. And once they're aware that this better data exists and it's available for them to use, they become more data driven and inherently more analytical uh, and like better. Uh, strategic decisions start to happen that are based on real uh, immutable data. And uh, I think it's a, it's a pattern that we've seen over and over again in some of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. So, so from data awareness uh, to data-driven decisions to like a responsive organization that's built on a data strategy. 
that, that, that's right. And, you know, before long, you, you even, you know, it even infects the boardroom where um, people start asking, you know, questions about where the data came from and um, are we, are you sure it's clean? And, um, and so I, I think that, you know, there, there've been some great, the, the former CEO of PNG was a very analytic kind of integrated analytics into the core of PNG. Um, and that, that, that sort of behavior change still exists today um, in the culture of the organization. And um, uh, many, many organizations will come to this reality that the infrastructure that's available for them uh, now to do next gen uh, data management and, and, and data ops is, um, is relatively inexpensive um, compared to, you know, what uh, it was like to try and do this stuff even, even 10 or 15 years ago. Um, where you had vendors previously like Oracle or Teradata or Informatica that tried to charge you outrageous sums of money to do even the simplest of things. Um, now, uh, with cloud-based, cloud-native solutions uh, like the one we provide from, from Tamer or uh, you know, products like Data Robot or Data Kitchen, um, you can actually do a tremendous amount of amazing work at a relatively low cost. And so, you know, I, and I think this is the ultimate uh, uh, result of the, you know, uh, what my friend Christian Chabot used to call the democratization of analytics in the enterprise, that the more democratized analytics became, uh, the more hungry they were for data. And now we have to democratize the access to high quality data in the enterprise. And again, this is at the core of uh, Tamer's mission. Yeah. So uh, following on to your prior comments about uh, Dayton's rules, uh, or, or laws. Uh, I've, I've had this uh, perspective for many years that uh, th there's a rule in enterprise software that whatever's happening in enterprise software is what happened in consumer software five years ago. Mm -hmm. So, and it, it makes it very easy to work in enterprise software because you just need to go and look at what happened in consumer software five years ago and copy it. Uh, <laughs> and very much to your point, uh, the the idea that cloud computing and machine learning algorithms that you know, can operate at scale against a highly elastic compute infrastructure on data that's sitting right there in the cloud. Well, those are things that have been true for consumer software in, B, in B2C advertising or in consumer websites, uh, in a sense, for plus or minus five years. And so all we need to do is copy that approach and apply it to the challenge of data ops in the, in the enterprise. Very much so. And, and I think this is this is exactly what's going on is that, you know, when, when we were first starting off at Tamer, uh, we started as an academic project at, at MIT. And um, one of the, you know, organizations that we connected with as we were doing the academic research were the folks over at Google and their Knowledge Graph team. And um, we, it was remarkable, the similarities uh, between a lot of what we were building at Tamer and what they had built at Google Knowledge Graph to deliver those simple info boxes that you get in the upper right-hand corner of your Google search results now, um, these highly curated uh, forms of information. And a lot of what we're doing at, at Tamer is really aligned with building out the curation infrastructure uh, so that uh, every end user inside of an enterprise can get access to data as simply and easily inside of their, their enterprise as they do when they go home and they use Google at night. And so, um, but it's, it's a non-trivial problem, uh, primarily based on what you referred to before, all of these uh, behavioral challenges. And in some ways, the expectations that um, 
uh, enterprise consumers have, which is much lower than they have when they go home on the modern internet. There are a lot of people uh, that can probably relate to the idea that oftentimes when they go into work, they're not expecting to have the same kind of information experience that they're used to having on the modern web. And there's really no reason for that disconnect. Um, uh, quite the opposite. When you look at the amount of money that large enterprise spends on information and information technology, um, the experience that that enterprise consumers have when they come into the office um, should be as good, if not way better than what uh, they get on the modern internet. Um, but um, but we've got a big gap to fill and a, a long way to go. And, and we really believe that starting with great high quality data is kind of the right you know beginning uh, of that journey uh, to digital transformation. Yeah, so th this is a, a really nice idea. This idea that um, if we can do what Google did for the consumer web, but for enterprise data, for structured data, and give people uh, full access to it, clean it, normalize it, cleanse it, categorize it, make it available for decision-making, uh, that would be of tremendous value. And people would have an experience at work, which was as good or better than their experience with the consumer web. So I'm sure anyone listening to this is wondering to themselves, sounds good, but how do I get there? And I know you're going to be speaking about data ops at the Data Masters Summit in October. So maybe give us a quick preview of what people should expect to hear when they uh, attend the Data Master Summit in October. You bet. Well, we, you know, we're going to spend a lot of time talking not only about uh, technology and the seven major components in any modern best of breed open data ops ecosystem, but we're also going to talk about the personas associated with the next gen data organization, uh, the consumers, uh, the folks that prepare the data, as well as the data suppliers. Uh, and finally, we'll talk about the processes and the methods that you use and you need to put in place in order to do data ops at large scale in a modern enterprise. And so all of these are necessary in order to do data ops really well. And uh, we have some great folks that are real practitioners in the industry that are practicing many of these things, have been for years, maybe didn't call it data ops initially, but now we're calling it data ops as kind of a, uh, uh, a name now for what they've been doing because it just made sense to them. And uh, we've really tried to focus with Data Masters on uh, uh, delivering a, a platform for practitioners to talk about what they're doing with real data every day in the, in the modern enterprise. And just like, as you said earlier, myself, I, I've been a, a, a consumer of these kinds of technologies and, and uh uh, an implementer uh, of technologies inside of the large enterprise uh, more times than a, a seller of these things for the last 30 years. And so I I'm really excited to, to listen to all of our uh, colleagues, trusted colleagues and good friends talk about what they're doing to implement modern data ops um, in these large companies. It's, it's really an exciting time. So what you're saying is it's not only going to be uh, an inspirational event and summit where people can understand the vision and the strategy, both of Tamer, but of data ops in general, but also relentlessly practical with, you know, a real practitioner's view. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. I think that that's exactly right. And the balance in the, in, in the enterprise in order to get stuff done is like you have to be pragmatic. Um, you can't really afford these big boil the ocean IT projects anymore. Uh, the world just doesn't work that way. And, the, uh, you know, the, like history has shown that if you have projects that you scope out that take years to complete, um, it's, it's likely to fail. I, the whole, you know, before 
data mastering at scale, there was uh, master data management in the enterprise. And I think that, you know, big multi-year projects sort of characterize traditional MDM and uh, almost all those projects failed. I know the ones that I did, you know, failed miserably as we were trying to build the one schema to rule them all. Um, and so, so the, the, the important, you know, way to embrace data ops and to, to, to start to make this strategic change inside of your company to manage the data as an asset is to start with these very pragmatic methods and very, very uh, straightforward projects that are probably measured in weeks and months, uh, not quarters and years. So I really love this idea of this uh, practical approach and stealing from the concept of DevOps to create these short cycle times and showing people value in days and weeks, not months, quarters, and years. Um, what's one key takeaway that you would expect an attendee for the Data Masters Summit to take away? A lot of the uh, people that we're bringing together are there to help all of their colleagues at other companies uh, get started on the data ops journey and really begin to manage their data as a strategic asset as the first step in their digital transformation as a company. And, and so they're, they, you should walk away from, from data masters um, with very pragmatic, very practical advice on where to get started, uh, on the things to do, and also probably a few uh, warnings about uh, pitfalls and things to avoid doing. Uh, that uh, mistakes that other people have made uh, that they're, they're going to share so that you don't have to make those same mistakes. Well, Andy, thank you for joining us on Data Masters. Thank you for a fantastic conversation. And I look forward to uh, hearing you at the Data Masters Summit and hearing and seeing everyone who's listening to this podcast joining us at the event. Thanks, Anthony. I look forward to the uh, academic paper on data. Stuff.